Ephesians 6.17 tells us that the sword of the Spirit, the tool that the Holy Spirit uses in the lives of His people, is the Word of God. And so if you have your Bible with you this morning, and I hope you do, please turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to be looking at 1 Peter 5, verse 5 this morning, as the completion of a section where the Apostle Peter teaches those who are elect how to live and serve and worship together in the context of a local church like a properly functioning flock. You see, Peter... One of Jesus' closest followers has been in the process of outlining for us in this letter essential Christianity. That is Christianity 101. How to live in this world for the glory of the One who has redeemed us. And for the sake of keeping it brief this morning, Peter has basically been telling us that living out the new birth and the redemption that we've discovered in Christ Jesus all comes down to two main things remembering our identity, and remembering our environment. So first, remember your identity, that you are elect. You have been born again. As those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, you are thrust into a brand new spiritual life by God's great mercy and power. You've become the recipient, as Peter tells us at the beginning of his letter, of an imperishable inheritance. You have experienced the fulfillment of some of God's longest waiting and greatest saving promises ever delivered. You've become obedient children of God the Father Himself. You have been redeemed by the imperishable and the precious blood of Christ. And you have become one of God's living stones after the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Someone who is bound for eternal glory and honor. That's wondrous. So if we're going to live out this new birth in the world that we're living in, then we need to remember first our identity. That we are elect, chosen by God unto salvation in Christ Jesus. But second, we're going to have to remember our environment. That we are in exile. Because of the time and the place in which we live, We need to remember that none of us who are following Jesus along this path of life will ever receive the crown before we first have to face the cross. We will have to walk through difficult days of trials and hardships here on this earth. As the hymn writer reminds us, this world is not a friend to grace to help me on the God. Before we make it to glory, there will be many foes and floods for us to face. And Peter's been showing us most recently that we are not going, we are not to face those floods or those foes alone. We are to face them together, side by side, as fellow pilgrims headed along the same path to glory. We need each other on this journey. And we're reminded of this in so many places in Scripture. Ecclesiastes 4, 9-12 through says this, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they can keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. As elect exiles, we need each other 
on this pilgrimage to glory. We need Christian fellowship and we need the church. And we don't often realize it until we don't have it. This was the realization that Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German pastor, had when he became imprisoned in the Nazi concentration camp in Flossenburg for over two years until he was eventually executed. Over those two years, Dietrich Bonhoeffer lost contact with everyone he had ever known in his entire life, and the outside world was completely severed from him. And he lost the most precious earthly possession he possessed, fellowship, Christian fellowship. As Bonhoeffer writes in his book, Life Together, the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. A physical sign of the gracious presence of the triune God. How inexhaustible are the riches that open up for those who by God's will are privileged to live in the daily fellowship of life with other Christians. Let him who has such a privilege thank God on his knees and declare it as grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in fellowship with Christians. You know, Bonhoeffer about this was right. What we have around us here at Grace Chapel is a fellowship of grace in whose physical presence we are spiritually encouraged and strengthened in the faith We ought to start this new year off thanking God for the church. When you study Scripture, you find out that it is our fellowship and our communion with one another as born-again believers that God uses to build us up in our most holy faith, to grow us in grace, and to mature us into the stature of the fullness of Christ. As fellow pilgrims on this path, to life. We need each other. And that's Peter's point here in the passage before us today. The final essential element of living life in this world for the glory of God and for the exaltation of Jesus Christ is being a member of a local church. Or, to use Peter's illustration, it's being a member of a properly functioning flock. A community of believers who have devoted themselves together to each other to help and encourage one another on to their final destination of glory. And Peter tells us here that every properly functioning flock, every true fellowship of grace has three essential elements to it. First, in a properly functioning flock, you'll find the shepherds shepherding. That's in verses 1 through 4, where Peter has already showed us that a true spiritual shepherd will stay focused on his assignment to administer and to lead by the Word of God. He'll stay focused on his attitude to shepherd like Jesus with eagerness, selflessness, and by example. And he'll stay focused on his award, the joy and pleasure of Christ alone. That's the first essential element in a true fellowship of grace. You will find shepherds shepherding. Well, second, we're going to find out today that you will also see the flock following. That's at the beginning of verse 5. And then finally, at the end of verse 5, we'll see the entirety esteeming others more highly than themselves. Those are the three essential elements 
of a properly functioning flock that is actively encouraging its members in their walk with Christ. It is a church where the shepherds are shepherding, where the flock is following, and where the entirety is esteeming one another as more significant and important than themselves. And so with that in mind, if you would, please stand with me out of reverence and respect for the Word of God as I read our passage this morning, which comes from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. The Apostle Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes these words to us today. He writes, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. This is the Word of God who deals bountifully with His servants so that we may live and keep His Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the moment we have set before us. How we can worship You in that most fundamental way by taking heed to Your Word. Father, we pray that Your Spirit would be working among us in this moment powerfully. Father, we know that apart from You, we cannot understand the things that You have freely given to us in Your Word. So open our eyes, Father, that we might see the truth that You've laid out for us. And even beyond that, give us hearts of faith to behold the glory of of Your person in these verses. And beyond even that, Father, give us hearts of obedience so that as we hear Your Word, we would, as Your sheep, follow You. Give us grace, Father, for we need You as our Good Shepherd. Lead us on right paths this morning for Your name's sake. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So after Peter shows us and has showed us that the first essential element of a properly functioning flock is that there are shepherds, there are spiritual leaders and overseers among the flock faithfully shepherding according to God's Word, he then tells us the second essential, equally essential, and corresponding element to a properly functioning flock. And that is... A flock that is following. And that's in verse 5 where Peter writes, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Now Peter says here that you who are younger should be subject to the elders. This makes sense. 
By the way, back in chapter 2, if you remember, Peter's already taught that as followers and as imitators of Jesus Christ, we should be subject to every human institution, if you recall. We're to be subject to, and we spent many, many weeks going through that, we're to be subject to the government, we're to be subject to the workplace, we are to be subject to marriage and to family. Well, Peter says here that likewise we are to be subject to the church and to church leaders as well. We are to be subject to them. Just like back in chapter 2, that's hupotasso. In the Greek, it's that military term, which means to fall in line under authority or leadership in order to accomplish a mission. And so here, Peter is calling on us as followers of Jesus Christ to show respect and honor, to give deference and preference, and to show submission and subjection to those who are in positions of spiritual leadership over us. Paul puts it this way over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12-13. through 13. He says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace amongst yourselves. So to borrow the pastoral imagery of this passage, Peter is calling on all of us here not to be like those stubborn, unappreciative sheep that I had to deal with when I was growing up in my parents' backyard. God is calling on us here to be humble and to be submissive to each of the three elements of an under-shepherd's assignment and task. So God is calling us first here to be subject to their teaching because of their role as biblical pastors. Second, God is calling us to be subject to their leadership and their oversight in their role as biblical overseers. And God is also calling on us to be subject to their guidance and their counsel as their role of biblical elders. So when it calls, when we're being called on here to be subject to the elder, it means being subject to their teaching from the Bible, their leadership from the Bible, and their counsel from the Bible. We're to be subject to them. Because again, just like with any other sphere of life, government, workplace, marriage, or family, as long as they are not telling you to do something in contradiction to God's Word, then you are to be submissive to your elders as they seek to faithfully shepherd and lead you towards the mission of exalting Jesus Christ above all in this world. We are to be a following flock. Because a following flock who listens to the leaders God has appointed, is a flock that builds each other up in love. It says be subject to the elders. This is an essential element of a properly functioning flock. It's to be a flock that follows. That follows God, first and foremost, and then that follows the pastors, elders, and overseers that God has appointed among them as they faithfully carry out their mission. This is a true fellowship of grace. It is a fellowship where not every member of the church is doing whatever they think is best. Uh, It is a fellowship where every member is carefully heeding the teachings of God's Word and the leadership and oversight of their shepherds, under-shepherds. As Hebrews 13, 17 states, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will one day have to give an account. Right, So they're responsible to properly lead. We're responsible to properly follow. And then, does this sound familiar to what we already studied back in verse 2? The author of Hebrews writes, Let them do this with joy 
and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. See, spiritual leaders are responsible to lead gladly, not grudgingly. But really, that's only possible if those under them in the Lord are obeying and submitting biblically to their oversight and their leadership. No one wants a discouraged, heartbroken, grieving shepherd or elder. And so, obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them. And don't forget this important first word. Peter says, likewise, you who are younger be subject to the elders. In other words, church members are to follow in the same way church leaders are to lead. And according to verses 2 through 3, how are church leaders supposed to lead? We already looked at that several weeks ago. They're supposed to lead eagerly, sacrificially, and by example. Likewise, Peter's saying, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Submit to the teaching and the leadership and the guidance of your elders. Submit to them eagerly, not grudgingly. Submit to them selflessly, not motivated by selfishness. Submit to them in actuality, by example, not hypothetically. Likewise, be subject to the elders. And listen, I get it. I want you to remember this because it's kind of weird giving a passage like this when you are a pastor and an elder. I have been a church member twice as long as I've been a church leader. And it's true. Nothing is more discouraging for a congregation than a biblically unfaithful and unprincipled leader. But conversely, nothing is more distressing for spiritual leaders than biblically rebellious and unappreciative church members. And so just like in every other area of our lives, as long as we're not being told to do what God forbids or being forbidden to do what God commands, as long as your spiritual shepherds are shepherding biblically, then Jesus tells us to follow Him by being biblically subject to those whom God has put over us as spiritual leaders. Because a properly functioning flock one that is helping believers forward in their path to glory, is going to be a church where the shepherds are shepherding, the flock is following, and then finally, the entirety is esteeming each other more highly than themselves. This comes from the end of verse 5 where Peter writes, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I want you to notice, whereas the first section of our passage here in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, was directed towards church leaders, and whereas the second section of our passage there at the beginning of verse 5 was directed towards church members, here, this final section of this passage, at the end of verse 5, is directed towards all of us. All of us. As Peter says here, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. In other words, think about this for a moment, elders are to clothe themselves with humility towards other elders. Elders are to clothe themselves with humility also towards the congregation. And the congregation is to clothe themselves with humility towards the elders and towards one another also. All of us are to be marked by humility. All of us are to be clothed with humility towards one another. 
Now, humility, if you're wanting to understand what that virtue is, humility is probably best defined, I think, as an other's focus. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. Humility is an other's focus. It is a servant's mindset. It's a disposition of your heart where you are thinking more of and about other people than you are thinking about yourself. As C.S. Lewis masterfully put it, he said, a real humble man (coughs) will not be that sort of greasy, swarmy person who's always telling you that, of course, he's nobody. No. A real humble man will be a cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in what you had to say. He will not be thinking about humility because he won't be thinking about himself at all. In short, humility is defined by the example of Jesus Christ in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, where we read, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit in self-interest, but in humility count others as more significant, as more important than yourself. In other words, the reasoning behind all of our actions and all of our decisions, whether we be church leaders or whether we be church members, ought to be not, what do I want right now? And what, does make, what makes me comfortable? But what does God want? And what is spiritually best for the rest of the church body? And, and we are, all of us, to clothe ourselves with humility. Literally, like Christ at the Last Supper, which we read this morning, we are to tie humility around us like an apron in lowly, humble service. It is the virtue that is to go with us everywhere. It is to be the mindset of our lives in everything. A lowly other's interest and mindfulness. And this command, I want you to know desperately as your pastor. I want you to know that this command to clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another is the very heart of a properly functioning, Christ-exalting church. When a church loses this, they lose everything. It is the very, humility is the very foundation upon which the rest of these commands that we've been studying in 1 Peter chapter 5 are built and depend upon. I want you to think about it. When the leaders stop leading, or when the flock stops following, it's always because they have esteemed, they have stopped esteeming others as more significant or important as themselves. But when believers start putting on a lowly other's mindedness, shepherds start shepherding and the flock starts following. Therefore, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. It's upon the observation of this one command that the entirety of the church rises or falls. I don't think I can say it more heavily than that. As Peter says next, quoting Proverbs 3, verse 34, For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Listen, it doesn't matter your qualifications or skills. 
if a shepherd won't shepherd from a position of humility, God will not bless that leader. And listen, it doesn't matter your expertise or your experience. If a believer will not follow from a position of humility, God won't bless that believer either. But if a leader will lead in humility and faithfulness, and if a flock will follow in humility and faithfulness as well, then God will bless that leader. He will bless that believer. He will bless that church. God will give grace. Grace for every trial. And that's why Peter is writing this letter to, of 1 Peter. It's so that we as elect exiles would have the grace and the strength needed to face every trial. And whether you want to hear it or not, contrary to the individualistic John Wayne mentality in America, The only way that you will ever find the grace needed for every trial in life is if you are an intimately involved member of a properly functioning flock. You have not all the gifts of the Spirit. He has given that to the church. And we need each other. We need each other. If we're to remain faithful to Christ on our way to glory. And so for the sake of our own spiritual walk and progress, all of us need to clothe ourselves with the attitude of a servant, just like Jesus did. Who did what? He dressed himself like a servant and he washed his disciples' feet. Really, he took on flesh and blood. Took on the form of a servant. Was born in the likeness of men and died for the sins of his people, for all those who would trust in him. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Believer, is that a virtue that you have tied around you at all times? This is an immense challenge to me as I was studying this week. What is humility? It is an other's interest and mindfulness. Here's one way that you can examine how well you're doing in the virtue of humility, ask yourselves this. Am I known by others as someone who asks a lot of questions? Or am I known by others as someone who always shares my mind? Now, it's not bad to share your mind. I'm being clear. But the point is, are you more interested in what the other person is thinking and where the other person is spiritually? and how you might minister to them rather than making your own thoughts known. Scripture says in the book of Proverbs, a fool utters all that is in his heart. But a humble person asks questions to draw out a man's thoughts. And so we need to clothe ourselves with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. This is a magnificent promise that we need to cling to and hold fast to and apply for this next year. This is what a properly functioning flock and a true fellowship of grace looks like. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the type of church that was needed in Peter's day as they were undergoing all that persecution. They needed a properly functioning flock where the leaders were leading, the flock was following, and each person was esteeming each other as more highly than themselves. And this is the type of church that is needed in our day as well. If we are to live as elect exiles in this world for the glory of God, then we need to be a part of a properly functioning flock where the shepherds understand their assignment and are shepherding, just like Jesus did, where the flock 
understands their assignment, and they are following just like Jesus did. And where the entirety of the church understands their assignment when they're with each other and is esteeming others as more important than themselves, just like Jesus did. So, in application, because again, we here at Grace Chapel are not about filling our minds with the truth only, but applying it to our lives for the glory of Christ. In application, just as a reminder, shepherds, elders, overseers, leaders, keep leading. In this new year of 2024, our leadership is needed in the church. Stay focused on your assignment this next year. Lead by the Word of God. The people of God need it. Second, stay focused on your attitude. Lead gladly. Lead selflessly. Lead lead demonstrably. And stay focused on your reward. We're not here to be remembered, my men. We're here to come to the end of our shepherding and receiving unfaded cloud crown of glory when the chief shepherd appears. So shepherds, 2024, keep shepherding. But specifically for this morning, members of Grace Chapel, flock, let's keep following. Let's keep following. As we're called on here, be subject to the elders. And here are four, just if you want to know what I'm thinking when I think this, here's four practical ways that every church member can do that, can demonstrate biblical submission to their church leaders. Okay, so here they are. For 2024, let's make this our ambition. First, submit in faith to their biblical teaching. That's the first way that you can be subject to the elders is submit in faith to their biblical teaching. Hebrews 13.7 says this, that they aim to speak to you the Word of God. And God has brought you, as a believer, underneath the care of the elders of this church to hear His words from them. You know, it struck me over these last couple of weeks, we live in a world where messages bombard us from every side, don't we? And everybody's telling us, this is the message you really need to listen to, right? But when you consider how God providentially brings believers together in a church, when you consider how he raises up leaders, and when you consider how he patiently uses ordinary means of grace to grow his people, it suddenly struck me afresh these last few weeks that if you're a part of a properly functioning flock, I want you to think about this, the most important message that you are likely going to hear this next week is the message that comes out of your church's own pulpit on Sunday. Second only to your reading of Scripture. That is most likely going to be the most important message that God wants you to hear for that coming week. It is the message that He has raised up spiritual leaders over you to deliver in their unique way to uniquely you. That is something that can only happen in a local church. It is the message that your spiritual leaders will give you on Sunday. It's because God in His providence has given them to you to speak to you the words of God. So, as is proper, submit in faith to their biblical teaching. Second, submit in faith to their discerning leadership. 
As Hebrews 13, 17 reminds us, every decision church leaders make as overseers is, newsflash, not always going to have an explicit chapter and verse attached to every minor decision. Sometimes it is simply going to be the prayerful application of biblical principles beneath the fear of God and humility towards each other. And in those instances, that's why we have a command in Hebrews 13, 17 that says, obey your leaders and submit to them. As is proper, submit in faith to their biblical teaching, to their discerning leadership as they seek God's wisdom. Third, submit in faith to their wise counsel. Hebrews 13, 17 says that they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. God has given you spiritual leaders to shepherd your soul when you are facing difficult decisions and trials in life. God has given Grace Chapel an excellent team of under-shepherds. And so when you are burdened with these difficult decisions and trials in life, seek out their wise counsel. Again, it struck me over these last couple of weeks that in the providence of God, very likely, the most important opinion and counsel God wants you to receive this week concerning how to navigate a particular issue in your life is most likely going to be the opinion and counsel of your pastor, elder, and overseer if you should so seek it. Because they are the ones that God has primarily given to you as a church member to bestow wise counsel for life. And so, even if you're just curious, it's not wrong to call up your elder and say, I'd like to hear your opinion on this. They're not always going to be right, newsflash, right? And, uh, but you can honor their opinion and seek their wisdom. They're not always going to be right, and so obviously be discerning in all things, but recognize why God has given you pastors and elders. It is to help shepherd your souls. And so utilize them. As is proper, submit in faith to their biblical teaching, to their discerning leadership, to their wise counsel. And then finally, submit in faith to their personal care. Hebrews 13, 18 says this, Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. You see, God finally has given you the spiritual leaders that you have, not only so that they can care for you, but so that you can care for them. That as they care for you, through carrying out their assignment, giving you that biblical teaching, that discerning leadership, that wise counsel, that as they care for you, you would care for them. And the best way to do that, Hebrews tells us, is to pray for them. Pray that they would maintain a clear conscience. Pray that they would maintain a sincere heart. Pray that they would maintain a God-honoring life for that day. Pray for them each and every day that they might be faithful to humbly lead as Christ led, even as you humbly follow as Christ followed. Ladies and gentlemen, where you find a church where the flock is doing that, you will find a properly functioning flock encouraging believers on their path to glory. So shepherds keep shepherding, flock keep following, and then everyone keep esteeming others as more significant, more important than yourself. Dress yourselves, all of you, in humble service towards one another. That we at Grace Chapel might truly be a fellowship of grace, a properly functioning flock equipped by God in humility to follow Jesus faithfully in the time and the place in which we live. I would encourage you one way 
that you can esteem others more significant than yourselves, first pray for them. I would encourage you, we have, we have the lists of memberships. Grab a list of membership and pray through the membership of our church. Pray for them. That's the first way that you can esteem them as more significant than whatever you've got to get done that day. And the second thing would be to meet with them. Find another member or attendee of Grace Chapel that God has just laid on your heart as I'm speaking to you and say, you know what? Let's have them over to our house. How about I meet up for them with coffee so that I can actually care for their souls because they're more important, more significant than anything that's going on in my life right now. Shepherds, 2024, let's keep shepherding. Flock for 2024, let's keep following. And then all of us for 2024, let's keep on esteeming others as more important than ourselves. Serving one another out of service for Christ. Because God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. This is the Word of God from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1-5, through 5, which I now commit to your further study and your faithful obedience until the grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ appears. So to that end, let's pray. Father, I thank You so much for Your Word. Father, I thank You for outlining for us what a properly functioning flock looks like. Father, I thank You that this is the means by which You strengthen us and encourages us encourage us and to spurn us on to glory. Father, I pray that You would continue to grow us as a church so that we might become more and more like a 1 Peter 5 church during this next year. Help us, Father, to be a church that is not just sitting and looking for someone else to do a work for You. Help us to remember Your mercies and offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice to You, holy and acceptable in Your sight. Help us, Father, as leaders to not retreat from spiritual leadership, but understand our calling rightfully, and help us to carry it out with a servant's heart. Father, help us as a church. Help us as a church follow the example of Jesus. Help us greatly Listen to Your Word when it is taught. Help us to seek out wisdom and counsel for this new year. Help us to not walk in our own wisdom, but to search out Your Scriptures and to search out even Your under-shepherds for guidance, for counsel and wisdom for this new year. And finally, I, I pray, Father, that You would help us as a church remember that the, the greatest and most important task is honoring and glorifying Jesus yet more and more until we stand before Him in His presence one day. And as we consider that, may we not look only to ourselves, that we might walk in a manner worthy of our calling, but that we would look around us at this room and say, who must I encourage this next week, this next year, in following more closely after Jesus? Give us grace, Father, we pray. The grace that comes through humbly following You in these ways. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.